keep on talking in the free world. And we're live at five. Phone lines are now open. Taking all TFC fans' calls. Talk that talk. The official live fan reaction call-in show. Often imitated, never duplicated. Taking your calls 30 minutes before the game and immediately after the final whistle. Second last preseason of the game just ended. We lost 2-1. lot to talk about here and a uh, lot to talk about what everyone was saying on Twitter as well. As far as a lot of complaining. And complaining's good. I love to complain just as much as anybody else. But uh, people have to call in and voice their opinion, tell us what they're really complaining about, give some context to their complaints instead of just popping off a lot of times just fucking talking nonsense and not really making any sense. So we took the loss. This is the preseason. Not that it's completely useless or it has no value, but it is the preseason. There's things that have to be learned and – there's a purpose to it. That's why it's the preseason. So for everyone going crazy about Caden Chung, like everyone's going, first of all, we just found out today that the guy's coming off a trial and they're actually signing him, and everybody already is condemning him. I'm not saying he's best thing since sliced bread, but I'm saying relax, right? Relax for a second. And let's have a look at what the whole situation is like. Um, we'll go through the game and see if anyone wants to call in, see what everybody has to say. Let's have a look here. Okay, so here we are. 2-1 loss. First and foremost, to go through, we'll go through the game. And then we'll highlight some of the issues on it. First things first. Okay, I'm with everybody else. Okay, this is only the second. This is the second last preseason of the game, so we're almost done with this foolishness as far as some of the complaints that we have. I don't think the preseason is foolish, but a couple issues that we have. One, the no numbers on the jerseys is ridiculous. What's the premise behind that? There is no premise behind that. It's totally stupid. So uh, the thing is, is that what could possibly be the downside? as opposed to the upside for you're streaming it for us, for us to watch. That's a whole other issue that's only in Southern Ontario. We'll get to that. But you're streaming it for us to watch, but there's no numbers. How are we supposed to know who everybody is? And the cameras aren't close. We don't have a problem with the cameras being far away. I'm just happy to get the live stream, as we all are. But I'm not complaining. about A lot of people are complaining about the sound and the no commentating and the camera. Okay, fine. But you need the numbers on the jerseys. It costs no money to do that as far as the, you already have jerseys with numbers on them. They put pennies on them, for Christ's sake. I don't understand it. Anyway, it makes no sense. We don't even know who's playing. So that's an issue. As far as the backdrop, you got the buildings in the background, the cars going by, the chain link fence. It's in a complex with other fields next to it. You got the nets on the sidelines, a couple nets on the sidelines, the tents. It's all grassroots soccer. I can't believe if you're a hardcore soccer fan and you have to be a hardcore soccer fan, if you're online on Twitter in the middle of the day and, and you're blasting out tweets all throughout the game, you're a hardcore soccer fan. So you either grew up watching it, you played it growing up, you've it's been a part of your life, uh, you're coaching your children, you're bringing your children to play it, 
whatever. You're immersed in the game. How can you not appreciate that? How can you not appreciate as soon as it came on, you got the wind whistling, you got, you're in the complex, you can hear everyone communicating with each other. I loved hearing the players communicate with each other. That was one of the minor pluses when we went through what we went through over the last couple of years when there weren't any fans that you could hear the players communicating with each other but anyone who's complained about that you're nuts man you call in tell us what you think you you can't you got to be nuts to complain about that that's a beautiful thing i started off in the pre-show talking about uh just to skip around for a moment i started talking about Mavinga in the pre-show, I ended in saying that in the end, you know, I also have an issue with him wondering if Shane O'Neill could uh, materialize. Hell no. Total garbage. He played like trash today. Anyway, there's we've seen enough just in this second half today. Zero chance of this guy should not be on the field ever. Don't ever want him on the field ever. Never mind replacing Mavinga. Mavinga, I got my issues with Mavinga, but Shane O'Neill, never. Absolute trash. Terrible defensive awareness as far as dis- distribution, careless, not a lot of uh, precision on it. And then on top of that, late in the game, he gave away uh, a ball right right up the middle, like three yards ahead of him that led to a breakaway or a partial breakaway. Anyway, absolute garbage, no chance, should not be playing, period. You talk about everyone complained about Caden Chung. You guys are out there talking about him. He he has a proven – I'm not saying uh, – again, it remains to be seen on how this is all going to unfold, and we can talk about this forever, but you guys are complaining about him. He's got a – he's coming off of having success in the Canadian Premier League, albeit, you know, it's not a massive sample size, but certainly, like, he's coming off of having quite a bit of success. Shane O'Neill looked like garbage. Complain about him. Uh, no announcer. How much? Like the, even la- last game, they had the announcer who didn't even know what the hell was going on anyway. So what difference does it make? Yes, I'm with you. I would have preferred having someone on there do the commentating. But uh, anyway, the guy last game didn't know what was going on anyway. So uh, as far as not showing the stream uh, again, why would you block the stream? Why wouldn't you want everyone to see? I don't understand why you would block the stream and not allow everyone to see. And, you know, if there's rules and regulations surrounding it on the fact that you can't broadcast. So I can't imagine. I'm assuming that's what it is, but I just can't imagine how that can't, how that can't be overcome that you can't put a live stream out there on the preseason games without violating any rules and regulations. I don't know, man. It always comes down to money in some way, shape or form, but it's a bit absurd. And uh, you got a hardcore fan base and a season that we're looking at writing a lot of wrongs that transpired over the last couple of years and the stream. I don't know. It was, it's all a bit much. I feel the frustration for everyone else. Fortunately, I'm able to watch it, but I do understand where everyone's coming from. Listen, Salcedo early. Okay, so first, uh, he made a nice ah, – that was nice. I mean, he had to get back – he had to get back and defend. He was shoulder to shoulder, and the keeper ended up coming out and sort of taking it. But the point was was that early we saw him running hard, so no signs of injury, which was good. And then uh, – so we're going to go through the game. And, and again, it's Talk That Talk, the official live fan reaction call-in show. 30 minutes before and immediately after every Toronto FC game. Phone lines are always open. 
TFC fans, you're out there, you're online, you're online on Twitter talk, and this is an opportunity to come in, speak your piece, share your voice, share your thoughts, share your opinions, talk about where we're at, where we got to go, how everyone felt about the game. So, again, primarily, this is about the game that we just watched, and everyone wants to weigh in on the pitcher at large, absolutely. But, you know, Bradley had a look early, and... uh he uh, he thought about it for uh, unloading a shot and didn't. But I, I laugh because don't even think about it. That's not his forte, not his cup of tea to be unloading shots. Later on in the game, he didn't. So, uh, Brad, that's not that's not who Michael Bradley is. He had a play later on in the game where he tried to switch it and go wide, and uh, again, it sailed over. Not his cup of tea either. Listen, Michael Bradley is is valuable to us in a lot of ways. He's valuable to us in his work ethic. He's valuable to us in his leadership. He's valuable to us in breaking up plays. He's valuable in sitting ahead of the defenders. And he's valuable in winning back that possession for us and then distributing just under control to someone more creative. So no knocks on Bradley, but I don't want want Bradley shooting. Okay, here's the other thing. So now you had Salcedo. We, We all, anyone who paid attention to Salcedo and you know if you're not watching not saying everyone's watching La Liga uh sorry Liga MX but uh non-stop but the thing is is that if I'm sure everyone looked at the highlight package and have seen enough of from him through the highlights and to see what you're getting from he's he's an offensive minded defender he's a de- he's a defender but I mean he does have offensive tendencies he picks his spots so today again this is a tale of two seasons. We need things to happen without putting all of our final pieces in place. We need things to happen in the first half of the season so that when Insignia arrives in the second half of the season, that we're still in the mix to be able to, you know, yes, we need to compete for the MLS Cup this year. Uh, absolutely, we need to compete for the MLS Cup. And of course, CONCACAF is always the number one priority with any of the elite clubs, which we are, despite their performances over the last couple of years, that's where we're at. Anyway, the point is, is this, is that Salcedo had the ball, took the space head up and he took the space. And then he thought about shooting and took one more touch and unloaded the shot. And then everyone is complaining, talking about, you know, why complaining about the shot, number one. And number two, you got Pozuelo immediately looked up to Salcedo with his hands out saying pissed off saying that he should have put the through ball into him for like Pozuelo is living in an alternate universe where he thinks that first of all there's he is not offensive minded I, I don't care what anyone says Pozuelo is not 25% off Salcedo is more offensive minded than Pozuelo 100% how many times I can count on one hand how many times I saw uh, Pozuelo shoot outside the 18 last year and I don't even know if and it might just be once the whole year Salcedo, we've seen him already unload a shot outside the 18. We need shots outside the 18. Anyone who, if you know anything about anything about anything, how can you not take shots outside the 18? Over the last five seasons for TFC, how many shots? Maybe you could argue maybe we've had less than a dozen shots outside the 18 over the last five years. Mild exaggeration, but not really. Anyway, we need more of that. And Pozuelo, you need your head examined. You're putting out your hands. You want him to give you a through ball to do what with? 
all you're going to do is immediately is what you always do. You're looking to lay it off and then support. And then you want someone to lay it off back to you and you're working backward. Or you're looking at just passing it off to someone two yards next to you. You're not looking for it. And what do you want to do? Dribble into the net? Like, uh, this isn't the, the Barcelona of, uh, of old where you're going to, you know, 50 people are going to touch the ball, pass it into the net. And even that team, when they were doing that, unlimited shots outside the 18 from Messi, even when they were 100% possession based and passing into the net. Fuck Lionel Messi, by the way. Ronaldo's the GOAT. But anyway, so missing a pe- poetry in motion yesterday where the fucking punk Messi, how, you know, how's he doing over there in uh, PSG? He misses the PK as usual. And then a minute later, the greatest of all time bags his goal for United. So shots outside the 18 are needed. They've always been needed on our team and we haven't had it ever. We need it. So, Pozuelo, I don't want to see complaining about you uh, looking up to Salcedo. Salcedo, keep doing what you're doing. We need it. We need it. Um, Going through again, Salcedo. Another thing I'll say about Salcedo. So, you know, the attention to detail, and it's not talked about enough, is that shortly after that, so, I mean, he had a good half. He did have a good half. To me, he was, to me, player of the game for me. Because we're going from two halves. A player of the first half of the starting lineup. We'll get into the second half. But, I mean, player of the first half, at least, we'll give him that. So, you know, then shortly after that, he had his head up. And just simple distribution from the back out to Caden Chung, who was on the right. And overlooked, not talked about enough. Head up, proper pace on the ball. Played it into space in front of Caden Chung for him to run onto. And him to able to take a touch, open up, and attack space, look to distribute, and play. How many ball? Talking about Shane O'Neill earlier, how many balls do you see at the highest level of the game globally, not just in the MLS, where passes between uh, players as they're moving the ball up the field are either into the players' feet, not in front of them, not allowing them to open up, too much pace, not enough pace not smooth on the ground, especially though not diagonally into space in front of the player to allow them to open up. Simple, simple, simple soccer skill that is not talked about enough and certainly is not possessed by a lot of players. Anyway, for anyone who's paying attention, I think that was the 34th minute. That, again, can't say enough about Salcedo early. And then there was... uh, Good ball movement. There was some good ball movement um, from side to side. In about the 37th minute, we had a little bit. Now, granted, in the second half, we had a lot better ball movement in their final third. We'll get to that. But keep in mind that that was our second unit, but that was also their second unit. So it's complete wholesale changes on both sides of the ball. So when everyone's talking about raving, and I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not disappointed in the in our changes and our players off the bench, but they're also playing against the players on the bench from the other team. It's not like everyone's talking about it as if they're playing against the starting lineup on the, the starting 11 on the other side. It was called good ball movement about the 37th for us. And then again, Pozuelo, 
This is about the 39th. Pozuelo, way, way, way too happy. Pozuelo was always looking for space to settle in behind to support. Always looking to support. It's almost like he's looking for everybody around him to be offensive-minded, for them to take chances, and for them to take players on, and for them to look to create. And then when they might get themselves into trouble or not have an outlet. He's always there to support defensively, but to do what? Like that, that's what you guys want from this guy. A supporting player to be able to give you an outlet to support and then, you know, keep possession and then start again. Like that, that's not what we want from him. He's supposed to be the one attacking, creating, taking chances, taking shots outside the 18 and giving us an opportunity to score goals. None of that. And if you're watching him play, that is not on his mind once today, once, twice, uh, once when he incorrectly looked to Salcedo to put a through ball to him, which should never have gone to him and didn't, and Salcedo unloaded. And then the second time is when he made a run late. I'm just trying to place it in my mind now. I can't. But he made a run late where it was uh, give and go, I think it was. Anyway, it didn't get back to him. But other than that, he's looking to settle in defensively and support. It's... Uh, we're not going to get any creativity and offensive input from Pozuelo this year. Not going to happen. It is not going to happen. We're not going to get it. We, it's the exact same scenario that we've always gotten from. And I didn't expect to see anything different. And we haven't. And I still don't expect to see anything different. And then later on, after again, one more play from Salcedo. is uh, There was a nice play where he stepped up into play. Hard tackle, shoulder to shoulder aggressive, took the ball down, shielded, drew the foul, and um, drew the foul in the free kick. And that's when I think the uh, that might have been where the play where Pozuelo went in because it was a quick free kick taken. So that's, you know, so that's a problem. Pozuelo, that situation with Pozuelo is a problem because I think people are incorrectly expecting him to do things that he is not going to do. And he has a proven track record of not doing those things. We Let me go to the second half. So Houston's goal when every, you know, <laughs> people, people uh, so on, on Twitter, you got people, a couple people saying, shocking, shocking. Like they're saying that the goal from Houston was shocking. Because uh, Chung got beat. <laughs> uh, I don't even remember exactly. Uh, Chung got uh, lost his man, fire post, and it went in. And it was shocking. So, okay. So, we're in search of left and right backs. We get one player from the CPL who had success defensively and sign him. And then in doing that, we also see that maybe there's an opportunity for Chung and we take him on trial. Now we're finding out today that they are going to sign him, but we take him on trial, right? And so Marshall Ruddy doesn't start today and they put in Chung to see what they have, right? And <laughs> so he goes from the CPL to being on trial to not even formally being announced to being signed today. And they put him on to see what they have. And you guys are out there talking about shocking, shocking that, you know, he's getting acclimated. Maybe he will uh, settle in. Maybe he won't. Who knows? That's why he was on trial. And that's why they're putting him in to see what the fuck they have to see if they're going to fucking sign him or not. It's the whole fucking point. Anyway, 
Now we get into the second half. And I briefly go through that. We're in uh, 20 minutes now. Talk that talk. The official live fan reaction call-in show. 30 minutes before every TFC game and immediately after the final whistle. Phone lines are open. Exclusively in the Spotify green room. We put the live link up on Twitter as well. And it's the opportunity for TFC fans to call in before and after every game. Before the game, we do a recap of the game prior and, you know, really drill down on the starting 11, what we think, uh, what we like, what we don't like, what we're expecting from the game. Maybe touch on a little bit of news, final thoughts, and then we go to the game. After the game, here we are. We're obviously going to talk about everything that happened during the game. We'll go through the whole game, thoughts, opinions, debate, good, bad, and the ugly. We're here every TFC game. You go into the second half, and I mean there was some good, there was some good ball movement by, by our uh, second group in their final third. There were several opportunities created. There was one early created by uh, uh, Peruzza Petrasso, and um, I forget who else was involved, but there was one early which was nice. And then throughout that half, there was quite a bit of decent ball movement in their final third that gave us a few looks, few opportunities. Some cleaner than others, but you know there was, and there was some balls wide right that were swung in, and then Achar ended up getting one. Not the cleanest, uh, not the cleanest look for Achar, but you know I was happy to see him put one in. I'm, you know, originally I was super, super optimistic about Achara. I don't, I don't see the dog in him that I thought I saw in him originally, and I also don't see the hunger for goals that I saw him in originally, and I don't like him out wide either. So, all three of those things I do not like. I was happy to see him see one go in the net. We'll see where that takes us, but uh, I'm not holding out a lot of hope for that situation. Me personally, I got a lot of hope held out for Iowa so I'm expecting Jesus and Io up there. I mean, I'm expecting big things. I know that Io can work, you know, in a two-striker system, but primarily, you know, we saw him in MLS's back. I, I like him personally as a lone number nine, and I know Jesus likes to be a lone number nine. So maybe what I'm thinking and I'm hoping in a perfect world, what I would like to see, I would like to see he's, he's I'd like to see him stacked up top. I'd like to see Jesus up top and then Io in, beh- in behind. Io likes, because Io is... is he can put him in in all different ways. And we again, we are looking for him to rekindle what we saw in the MLS back tournament where a couple of years ago, it seems like a lifetime ago now, where he was able to play off the defender and then take a ball and turn the defender and attack with speed and get a shot off. He was able to play tight to the defender and then, you know, look as though checking in and, and roll off his shoulder and take a through ball. He was able to play back to goal with the defender again tight to him and shield the ball and look to lay off or turn and shoot. He was able to uh, attack in the air and he was able to make runs off the ball with his speed for you to be able to put him through and then also clean finishes, clinical finishes, inside foot fire post, most clinical finish in the game. These are all the things that he did. These are all the things that he did in the MLS's back tournament and even get a portion of that. This will allow us to try to get through to when Insignia comes. So not too much more time spent on the second half other than Shane O'Neill is absolute garbage. So there's no future there in that position. So it's going to be. So now it's two seasons 
we have the season that we need in the first half from now when the season starts until we get to when Insignia comes. So for everyone out there, like everyone's crying for left and right back, you got to figure out what the fuck is going on first. So first and foremost, Schaffelberg has to be on the field. He has to be. Anyone who does not think that Schaffelberg has to be in the starting 11 doesn't know what the fuck is going on and you don't know what you're watching or what you're talking about. He has to be on the field. And he has to be on the left side and he has to be providing width and he has to be a two-way player. And he's one of the ways that we're going to score goals until we have Insignia here, who is a proven clinical goal scorer from inside and out. More importantly, you're going to see the importance of shooting outside the 18 because you're going to see a ton of Insignia cutting in and unloading outside the 18. He can also go and penetrate and score inside the 18 as well. But that's what you're going to see. But even when he arrives, and certainly until we get there, you need ways to score goals. And the only fucking way that we created opportunities last year was through Schaffelberg's width and sending in wide balls. What the fuck was everybody watching? That is the only, that's the only offensive opportunities that were created last year other than absolute fucking nonsensical foolishness, the ball bouncing around and however it ended up on someone's foot. So that's where he's going to play. He is our left back. So anyone expecting us to sign someone ahead of him, it's not happening. This is not a makeshift operation. I believe that Bob Bradley has identified, and rightfully so, that this is the spot for Schaffelberg. And he is going to shine. He's going to thrive. And he's going to improve exponentially as every moment goes on. And everyone is going to shut the fuck up and see. All you guys just pissing and bawling and all over him. Come on here and talk that talk. I'd love to hear it. It's not about arguing. It's not about, you know, you know, you're an idiot. I'm an idiot or anyone is. It's about let's hear it. What are your thoughts specifically? Not uh, Schaffelberg got torched. Someone put on there. Schaffelberg got torched by uh, Dorsey. Fuck Griffin Dorsey. You guys want Dorsey? That's what you want. You want him back? Get the fuck out of here. So no one's ever, no left back in the history of the world has ever been beat. Yeah, he got beat. You know, he got beat. And then there was another play. Uh, so there was the one play where he cut in on him and far post, inside foot, far post. Keeper got a piece, ended up in a corner. Yeah, he got beat. He went down. He was, you know, for a second. That's it. It happens. What do you think? He's never going to get beat. He is going to thrive in that position. And everyone are going to eat their words when it comes to Schaffelberg. I guarantee he will be a phenomenal left back. And that will be his new position moving forward. I believe permanently. The right back is a different situation. Because the one thing I will agree with people is that, uh, no, I'm here for getting a look at uh, Caden Chung. And I wanted to see what we have. And we're going to need depth to off the bench. And then when all of this pans out, if I'm wrong about Schaffelberg, which I won't be. And then if the right back doesn't pan out or when we have issues with Mavinga, which we will, because he's careless and reckless and injury prone. And then hopefully Salcedo is who we think he is. And that will be one of our main points of relief for defensively for us uh, that we can hopefully count on. But the thing is, is that, so we, we had to see what we had with uh, Caden Chung, but don't forget, it was just the other day everyone was praising, praising Schaffelberg and Marshall Verdi. Oh, my gosh. They couldn't look fucking better. They were both uh, MLS starting 11 players. Couldn't look better. 
And now all of a sudden, the sky is falling. Marshall Ruddy was poised last week. Again, he's not going to be perfect. Listen, I love Richie. Love Richie. But anyone who was watching, Richie, uh, especially toward the second half, there were a lot of fucking times where Richie had no use for defending at all and fucking dog fucking all the way up the field after the overlap and never came back. So you talk about guys getting beat, and he got beat. So I don't know what you guys are watching. And, you know... Anyway, and like I just said about Mavinga, so Mavinga, there's a lot there. No question, I've always said the most important piece of our team moving forward is the foundation on the back line. So I believe Salcedo will be who we want him to be. Even though like I give Mavinga a hard time and all these things are warranted, is that you know if it turns out that Mavinga is going to be our starting one of our starting center backs for the rest of the season. So be it. We've seen him there before and he does have good attributes there. Like he, he does have good attributes. He has speed. He has tenacity. He's able to recover. And that's because he fucks up a lot. So he's given the opportunity to recover and he gets some of his tackling, right? But he also gets a lot of it wrong. But the point is that wouldn't be the end of the world. Obviously the situation that we're wondering about is the left and right back. But again, you're not going to go out and do anything and everything right off the bat when you have when you're faced with what we're faced with. If Insignia was here right now, then there might be more. It's not that there's not a sense of urgency, but then now you're looking at and and the other couple pieces that we're bringing, and we are looking at bringing more defenders in. So there are there are um, reinforcements coming, but the thing is, is that a some of these players are not going to be coming until the summer and we're not going to have the opportunity to bring them until the summer. And then B, there are some players here that we need to find value in that could turn out to be phenomenal and that you don't want to fuck it all up and give them away or lose the opportunity of having someone that you could really benefit from. You're not about, you're not, it's not about giving guys a chance. We're looking at the best thing for the team. He's not throwing Schaffelberg a bone or throwing Marshall Reddy a bone, trying to do them a favor. These are things that Bob Bradley are going to be thinking to be beneficial to us. And I agree. A hundred percent. I agree. And we shall see. We shall see. Moving up the field. The, so now we can agree to disagree defensively. And all I do is talk about the issues we have defensively. That is all I do. That's all I've done. And when I'm complaining about it, it's warranted. And today, and in the state that we're in now, like I said, there's reason for concern, but there's also a lot of reason for comfort. And I'm not talking about give it time, and this is an experiment, and we'll see what happens. And then, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, a, it's a rebuilding season. Hell fucking no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is that I believe that we have enough right now to be able to, for that not to be the biggest problem on the starting 11, because there's not, nothing's ever going to be perfect. The biggest problem on the starting 11, and it's going to remain the biggest problem, even when Insigne shows up, because he's not going to score 150 goals a game, is that how do we score goals? And again, this goes back to me saying is that Schaffelberg is the one that provides offensive opportunities for us with his width and with his balls in, crosses, Always, consistently, every single fucking game. Pozuelo is not going to give you the fucking creativity to throw balls. Watch today. Watch last game. The guy is a supporting defensive fucking midfielder. That's where he feels at home. It's fucking madness. It's insane. He's not the one. 
Osorio, like I said, maybe we'll get, you know, a little bit more out of him than we traditionally got creatively. But that if you're looking to Osorio to be your creative midfield savior, we're fucked as much as I love Osorio. So that's the problem. How do we score goals? On the right wing is the massive opportunity for a number of young guys that we have here, and then someone moving forward that you need someone over there who can do many things, who can swing balls in, but more importantly, who's able to attack with pace, cut in, and shoot outside the 18. Shoot outside the 18. This is what needs to happen. Shoot outside the 18. And then from now until Insignia gets here, what you're hoping for is Currently, until we have someone out, right? Because we don't. So currently, if everything was to start tomorrow, it's going to start in fucking 16 days or 17 days, whatever it is, is that we're looking for uh, less than that, right? What are we now? 17th? Starts on 26, nine days? So I don't know, whatever. So uh, right now, that's the only way we're scoring. Shufflebrook puts balls wide, and then you're hoping that Jesus or uh, Akinola get a hold of it. That's it. Who the fuck is shooting from outside the 18? We had one shot from outside the 18 today, and everyone was crying about it. You should be fucking down your knees thanking God that we had a shot outside the 18 today. I was loving it. And then the second unit, there's some guys that were looking to, to shoot a little bit. You know, so anyway, we'll leave it at that. But that's what you should be thinking about, is that how the fuck are we going to score goals? And how's the first half of the season going to look so we can get to the second half of the season? So do you want Insignia coming in here, getting paid a gazillion dollars, and coming into a team that's not even in contention, and everyone is demoralized, and the locker or the dressing room is in bad spirits, and you know, then everyone is now they want us, the fan base, and on the, in the media, and then stadium praise someone who's getting paid way more than everybody else, and they're sitting here crying in their soup because the whole season has gone, season has gone sideways. You don't want that either. Talk That Talk, the official live fan reaction call-in show, often imitated, never duplicated. Taking calls 30 minutes before every Toronto FC game and immediately after. Afterward, we're here as long as it takes. Hour is the ceiling. 30 minutes before and then afterward, like I said, we're here as long as it takes, but an hour is the ceiling. So you want to be there, be square. That's it. We'll see everybody. Next preseason game is... Not going to be on a live stream. So the next time we see everybody is going to be our first game of the year for the start of the MLS season. Saturday, February 26, 2022. Always remember, people, keep on talking in the free world.